Well, welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This is episode number 17, and I'm your host, Andrew Kopian. Uh, so today we're doing a little bit of a different uh, topic. Uh, we're taking a bit of a break from our my Difficult Conversations uh, series, and uh, instead we're going to be doing a research roundup, and today I have with me again uh, Russ Gothard. So, Russ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. So yeah, so uh, I know we're we're looking at an interesting article here, and I, you know, I, as we've talked about uh, before uh, with regards to concussion, uh, you know, I think it's it's getting a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more awareness for this topic, and there's some some interesting studies coming out. And I know the uh, the article that you uh, pulled out um, is one that's looking at uh, high school football players, uh, and it's called multiple pass concussions in high school football players. Are there differences in cognitive functioning and symptom reporting? And so can you tell me a little bit more about, uh, you know, what you thought was interesting about this uh, study and, and uh, what this study is really about here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what I found great about the study was, first of all, I had a really, really large cohort of students. They're looking at uh, 5,232 male adolescent football players. Uh, um, they, it's a cross-sectional design, so they, they, they administered the same battery of tests to all these students at the same time and tried to correlate that with the past number of concussions that these students had experienced. Um, and then they were basically looking at whether or not there was difference in, in cognitive function and uh, also a battery of symptoms that people tend to report after concussions as well. Yeah, it was interesting because when I was reading the intro, they were, you know, they were talking about some of the previous studies that had been done looking at some of the neurocognitive decline that they've seen in uh, NFL players, um, but that some of these other studies that are just looking at uh, high school players and that weren't having the same kind of negative impacts. Yeah, there seems to be kind of a kind of a mixed message out there. It seems like uh, a lot of these 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 NFL studies that they're saying that there is a significant cognitive decline seen after after multiple concussions, um, and some of the college ones as well. They're, they're they're sort of mixed as well. Some are finding cognitive effects, and some aren't finding cognitive effects. Um, I think it's important to note that some of those studies are very very small as well. The one in the introduction, for example, they're only talking about ten players at a time. Oh yeah, I know <laughs> that's pretty small. Yeah, compared to our five thousand in this study, it's it's. Yeah. So, what was uh, what was the purpose of the study uh, that they were that they were saying? Uh, well, they're 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 trying to see if there's any differences in the cognitive functioning or the symptom reporting in the high school football players, um, and then try to relate that to the number of concussions they had in the past. Um, I guess I guess in order to to better prevent future concussions, if there's going to be uh, cognitive issues or. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that um, you know it's 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 an interesting study because. Uh, you know, because of the size, right? So I think they can really start to dive into some of these different areas and different symptom areas. And I know that the battery that they're using was the impact, um, uh, the impact outcome measure um, and baseline testing uh, tool. And um, it sounds like, I mean, they, they were able to capture a fair amount of data using that, uh, that particular uh, assessment tool. Oh, for sure. They have a huge amount of data in here. Yeah. Um, well, the impact it has that they're reporting on 22 symptoms. Um, they're reporting on six modules, word discrimination, design, memory, symbol matching, um, yields five domain scores, verbal memory, visual memory, visual motor speed, reaction time, impulse control. There's a, there's a massive amount of data they were able to capture from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they also then included the, uh, I guess, well, the impact does contain this post-concussion symptom scale that has uh, you know, a number of um, uh, symptoms that uh, that the uh, subject can actually then uh, rate on a, s a scale of zero to six, um, which I think is also helpful. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a lot of those kind of common symptoms you'd be looking for after a concussion. Your uh, your visual problems, your light sensitivity, your trouble falling asleep, your uh, difficulty concentrating, that kind of thing. And they also they also picked up um, some other some other self-report stuff too, like a like a history of ADHD and a history of substance abuse, history of headache, this kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, let's let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, in terms of what the results were of their their study. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, in terms of their sample that, you know, 80% did not have a concussion and, you know, 14% only reported one. And then we dropped down to 4% having had a history of two concussions. And then I think there was only about a little over 1% that actually had three, uh, three concussions. So, I mean, you know, obviously that number thankfully, you know, drops off pretty quickly there, but, um, uh, you know, what I thought was interesting was, uh, in terms of, um, the difference between those that didn't have concussions and then those that had a concussion in terms of the odds ratios and, and prevalence scores. So, you know, you're looking at uh, those that uh, with prior concussions, they were more likely to have developmental problems. And, you know, the odds ratio was a, like a 1.4 or learning disabilities, which is at a 1.6. And, uh, you know, those with prior concussions also had, uh, you know, more, you know, just they had a history of uh, headaches. You know, I think that uh, the the odds ratio there was like over three um, and, uh, you know, mental health problems was another big one and substance abuse problems. So it, it definitely that uh, the psychosocial component really seems to be, uh, you know, more prevalent in those that that have concussions. Oh, for sure. And uh, I mean, they talk about this in the discussion as well. They do mention that it's kind of it's kind of difficult to tease apart whether whether those things were existing prior to the concussion or whether they're a result of the concussion, kind of a chicken and the egg kind of thing. Um, I mean, they, they they go on to talk about how important it is to consider the the history, uh, the psychosocial history, when um, when talking about returning to sport. But yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting part of this. Yeah, and I think the other thing too was you know if we, we you know we just move over to the discussion section of the the study, um, you know I think that um, what was interesting is that they said that those that had a previous concussion. Uh, and even multiple concussions did not perform differently on the impact cognitive domain. Uh, and I thought that was, that was something that I, you know, took me a little bit by surprise. Um, you know, and I, and I guess, you know, and I think they do, you know, they do raise this point in the discussion about, you know, is this a sufficient evaluation technique to see if there is any, like, is it sensitive enough to basically pick up any kind of neurocognitive uh, decline? Yeah, I mean, so so it sounds pretty promising, right? I mean, first of all, the, there's there's such a small percentage of these students that are having multiple concussions in the first place, uh, but then also because there was no significant difference between the cognitive domain on on, on the impact scale. Um, but kind of like you're alluding to there, yeah, like is is it sensitive enough to pick up those small changes? Like at the age of 15, which was the the average age for these high school students, they're gonna ace this cognitive domain test no matter what, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing too is you know it would be interesting for them to follow these uh, these kids. Uh, you know, you know, over a period of years to see if some of those cognitive issues may just take a longer period of time to actually uh, surface. Yeah, I think that'd be super interesting. I really hope they follow up with this cohort in a few years' time. Um, I think it's also going to be interesting to kind of stratify into those who continue to play football and perhaps experience more concussions and those who don't. Um, I think one of the things they kind of mentioned in the paper as well is is about how the younger brain has a greater degree of neuroplasticity there, so maybe it's able to recover faster from these injuries. And it'll be interesting to see whether that whether that is 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 retained on a long term follow up. Yeah, one thing they did say though is that um, uh, you know even though they didn't find any difference in terms of the cognitive function, they did find uh, an association with the self reported symptoms and past injuries. 
so you know, yeah. you know, that's I think that's that's definitely important. Is you know, basically the bottom line is it seems like you know, if you've had more than one concussion, you're going to have more symptoms. I mean, and, and obviously they you know they can't infer causation from that, but there's definitely you know a, appears to be you know quite a strong association there. Yeah, no, there's definitely a strong correlation between pretty much all of these concussion symptoms, post-concussion symptoms, and the number of concussions in the past. But yeah, like you like you said as well, you can't you can't prove this cause necessarily, and 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 they do go on to mention that. Um, a lot of people who who haven't experienced any concussions whatsoever will intermittently report some of these symptoms as well. And conversely, people that have had lots of concussions don't report some of these symptoms. So uh, it was only 7% of the variance in, in symptom uh, reporting was explained by the number of concussions in the past, I believe was the number they used. Yeah, and I think that they, you know, what they picked out too, you know, and they highlighted in the discussion was that they're, you know, what they see as the strongest independent predictor of symptom reporting uh, in this population was a history of treatment for a psychiatric condition. Uh, so, you know, that, that, again, that's another interesting finding, you know, from my end here. Yeah, completely. And that, and that goes back to that psychosocial piece we were talking about before, right? Like really having to consider all aspects of the patient when, uh, when, when, when thinking about what to do with them. Yeah, and it might even be, you know, something that's worthwhile to look at, you know, in terms of your, you know, history taking and, and screening is to identify, are there you know, any per perhaps, uh, you know, psychosocial issues that may be a contributing factor here for, uh, you know, prolonged recovery and, you know, on ongoing symptoms relating to their concussion. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I think they, you know, the other thing too, I think they, you know, they do a good job highlighting, you know, the limitations of the study. I think that, you know, I think one of the things for sure that they, um, you know, highlight is that, um, you know, these are, uh, these are self-report measures, right? So, I mean, you're only getting as good as we know what people are saying. Yeah, there was sort of there was no kind of objectivity to the to the number of concussions in the past. It was self-report, like you said, but there was also no no information about when it was or how severe it was as well. So, who knows who knows if they've actually been diagnosed with concussions, what what what, what severity of the concussion was, et cetera, et cetera, or when those concussions occurred too, right? I mean, how how recent were they? Yeah, sort of. Their only stipulation was that it wasn't it wasn't an acute concussion case. If 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 they had had an acute concussion in the past, like in the in the last six months, I believe it was, they weren't uh, they were they were excluded from the study. Otherwise, it was they were in for sure. Yeah, and they also highlight too that so, you know the other limitation of the study was that they only had athletes who were clear to return to play. Uh, so it's potentially you know it's possible that there were uh, football players who were you know having a slower recovery from concussion, or maybe who were. Um, uh, excluded just uh, based on the fact that they weren't cleared for baseline testing, or they just weren't even playing football anymore. So I mean, they were perhaps missing, you know, a segment there that that may have, um, you know, provided some additional insight. Oh, absolutely right. Like so, so sort of the most severe cases, the ones that that were no longer playing or that weren't cleared to go back to play, they were excluded from the study. So kind of missing an important chunk of data there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think you know, again, I think you know, it would be really interesting to see. Uh, to, you know, incorporate uh, and maybe, uh, you know, build off of this study into a, more of a longitudinal design to see, you know, what is that impact over time, right? I mean, you know, sometimes I, I think some of these changes, you know, often can be seen. Uh, there's, you know, delayed changes and, and uh, you know, I think that will be interesting. Hopefully, they, you know, they, they produce some more research uh, along those lines. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to these kids in a couple of years' time. Awesome. Any more uh, thoughts or insights on the, uh, the study here, Russ? Uh, I guess maybe just mentioning sort of the clinical usefulness of it. Um, I think maybe summing that up would be a good plan. So like you said, it, it could be a very useful thing um, when, when taking a patient history to know their psychosocial backgrounds and know that maybe some of these psychiatric factors play into the probability of them having these post-concussion symptoms. Um, 
but I guess another message I'm taking out of it is, is kind of reassuring is that there's not necessarily any severe kind of cognitive damages um, from past concussions in high school players. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the uh, media highlight has been around, obviously, the pro-level athletes. And, uh, you know, and I think that, um, you know, I think it can be, yeah, it definitely is reassuring. And, okay, there is, um, you know, perhaps not that same level of, of uh, disability and dysfunction that would take place if you've had a concussion or a couple of concussions, you know, in a high school uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to be able to to objectify these measures as well. Like uh, the, the the big NFL guys, they're weighing two hundred fifty, three hundred pounds. They're crashing into each other every day for years at a time. That's that's got to be different from a little bit of high school football, right? But yeah, I think I think obviously, I think you know, good you know, good management of uh, concussion uh, is is still so important. And I think that uh, I think thankfully there's a shift in terms of you know uh, awareness and understanding and appreciation to not just you know sort of shrug off a concussion or multiple concussions because I have seen clinically where, you know, I had a patient who had uh, suffered a couple concussions. Um, you know, she was a soccer player and I mean, she was really, uh, you know, incapacitated in a lot of ways, um, you know, in terms of not being able to continue with school and, and that. And so it really, you know, hit home for me in terms of, uh, the impact that the, this type of injury can have, you know, it's not just one body part that's, uh, you know, impacted. It's also, you know, the whole ability to just function in life. And so I think that, um, you know, I think, yes, it's good that we're, you know, we're seeing that there's perhaps not some of this uh, cognitive impact, but I think at the same time, I think we always want to temper that with, you know, having good, um, you know, acute and persistent concussion uh, management and proper clearing before, before these kids go back onto the field. I absolutely agree. Awesome. Hey, well, great. Uh, good to have you again on the show, Russ. And uh, we look forward to our next uh, research roundup. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andrew. Take care.